hear this a confession to begin this sermon. Amen. Amen. Lord, we confess our day-to-day failures to be truly human. Lord, we confess this unto you. Lord, we confess that we often fail to love with all we have and all that we are, often because we do not fully understand what loving means, often because we are afraid of risking yet ourselves. Lord, we confess this unto you. Lord, we cut ourselves off from each other and erect barriers of decision. Lord, we confess this unto you. Lord, we confess that by silence and ill-considered words, we have built up all kinds of walls of prejudice. We confess, Lord, that by selfishness and lack of sympathy, we have stifled generosity and left little time for others. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Speak unto us. Help us listen to your word of forgiveness. For we have been very deaf. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this moment and free us from all sin. Amen. That comes out of the United Methodist Hymnal 893. Lord, move me behind the cross that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, dear Lord, for this is your hour, this is your time, this is your day. I ask this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The prodigal son is a common story. If we had to say anything about it each time we read it, depending on who we see as ourselves in the characters, we might say a variety of things. If you are a younger sibling, please raise your hand. You might simply say, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Ushers, I thank you for your service and your diligence. Charge it to my head, not my heart. Amen? Amen. Are you the older parent? I mean, the older sibling. Raise your hand. You're an older sibling. Raise your hand. You might simply say, it's just unfair. I don't care how you cut it. It's just unfair. Any daddies in the house? Your daddy, raise your hand. You may say, thank God he's no longer dead. Thank God my son is no longer dead. How about if you're the people who just work everywhere? Amen? We won't call us servants today, but we're people who just work everywhere. We say, is there a party? Is the boss throwing a party? Who's throwing a party? Why, why is he having a party? Amen? Anybody been a city person? The person who's lived in the city, hangs in the city, loves the city, just, you know, you don't have to raise your hand in the church, I understand. But there's some city dwellers in here. I raised my hand for the city dwellers. We're the ones who said, hey, come on, young man. I'll show you where you need to go, what you need to do, who you need to hook up with. Hey, hey. There's always somebody in this story 
that somehow we don't always look at. Because a lot of times we only focus on the relationship between the son who left and the father who accepted him back. Turn to your neighbor and turn to your neighbor quickly and say, did you know forgiveness is real? Turn to the other one and say how sweet it is. Amen? We have the quietness when we say, oh, forgiveness is real. We kind of keep that quiet. Forgiveness is real. But when you say how sweet it is, wasn't there something that just came up? You say, oh, how sweet it is. There used to be a comedian that that was his tagline. I think his name was Jackie Gleason and maybe before my time. But he would simply say everything was how sweet it is. Amen? Amen. And he would say it over and over. I don't care what part of the joke he'd get to, and all of a sudden he would just stop and say, "Mm, how sweet it is. That's how we need to think about forgiveness. That's how we need to embrace the fact that God so loves us. That he gave his only begotten son. That when he forgives us, it's not with strings attached. It's not with any holding down. It's not with any other thing. He just says, you are forgiven. And our reaction ought to be, how sweet it is. Forgiveness is real. And because of that, I want to help us look at the picture of what it means not only to be forgiven, but to forgive one another. This side, I need you to stand up. Stand up. This is an active, interactive. Y'all been on spring break. You've been sitting down drinking sweet tea. It's been sunshine this week. Turn to this group of people. Turn and look at them quick. Tell them you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now y'all quickly stand up and say what? How sweet it is. <laughs> now y'all turn it in and say you are forgiven. You are How sweet it is. How did that feel? That was a whole lot of different energy. You ought to throw your hands up and say, wow. It's just that quick. How sweet it is. Now I want each of you to raise your right hand. Just like that. Now ball it up. Tight, 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 Covered. 
Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. That's good news. But verse 11 goes down and says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. O righteous, shout for joy. All you upright in your heart. Every time you can remember that you are forgiven, it ought to be one of these. How sweet it is. All right. I mean, it ought to jump up in our hearts to that God has let us free. Yes, there are consequences of our actions. Yes, there's things that we have to do. But if His grace and His love was not given unto us, as I told the young people today, if He hadn't died on the cross for things that weren't His, but were ours before we were yet born, we would not be able to say, by the grace of God, we are forgiven how sweet it is. That ought to be good news to some of us. Because I asked early on, who were the older brothers and sisters? Who were the younger brothers and sisters? Who were the fathers? Who were the people who were in the community who received us into our sinfulness? Who were the people who allowed us to play and party when the time was yet past? And some of us were a little reluctant to claim where we were in the family trees of our life. Because if the truth be told, there's some younger sisters and brothers here, there's some older sisters and brothers that are still carrying scars and have yet to say, you are forgiven. How sweet it is. All right. Why do we carry these things? What is it about us? What is it about the equity and inequity of life that even when God says, happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, that means he doesn't charge us with what we did that was out of order. Let me break it down and make it plain. Mama said, don't touch. Mama left the house. You turned the TV on. And the TV blew up. <laughs> That's a true and living story out of 6142 Spruce Street. My parents said, do not turn the TV on. We have left you with assignments and things you need to do. My sister and I said, hey, what's with a TV? Can't be that deep. It'll keep us company while we're doing our chores. No sooner than we turn the TV on, And it wasn't just any TV, it was the TV that my daddy watched. You know that the big TV in the living room that has the special seat, that everything, that was not always a remote control, but there's special places that daddy sits in the house and you be in there playing, hey, I'm sitting where daddy's at. TV blew up. I said, ooh, you in trouble? You see, I'm the younger sister, and I immediately go to rights at that point. You can handle it. They won't blame you, because they don't think you do anything wrong. They know that I will do wrong. So the bottom line is, I said, why don't you take the hit? She said, you turned it on. But Mama told you to be over me. 
And you should have kept me from touching the TV. <laughs> we know how to fix it up, don't we, younger, younger siblings? Come on, hang with me, hang with me. I'm trying to free you from other things now. The younger sisters and younger brothers always know how to work with the older sibling to kind of make it be their fault. In this story, the older brother was the one who never left, and he was unhappy with daddy. He said, you have done what? You have done what? I've been here all the time with you. You have neither given me a cat, allowed me to hang out with my friends, throw me not one party. You done gave him all our money. Even though he only gives him the part that belongs to him. But when you upset and you're trying to make a point that is unfair, you elaborate, right? You just stretch it out a little bit, right? You make the story really big. And the, and the older brother said, you know, it's just unfair. And not one unfattened cat has come my way. Daddy, you ought to be ashamed. Now, the truth be told, this is in the Bible day. In the 21st century, maybe it wasn't a fattened cat. Maybe it was the mobile, the new car. You gave him a brand new truck. You gave him all the stuff to go into town with. You paid the apartment for three months straight. I know you did. I saw the canceled check there. You've been slipping him money all this time, and now he comes back here. Raggedy is everything. And you run down there and throw a brand new leather coat on him. What's that about? Come on. And you want to give him my truck? My truck. The one you have made me pay insurance for. Well, Dad, I know I've been paying you the insurance, but, you know, I've been paying it anyhow. It's a little late and everything, but don't hold that against me, Dad. What's up? And you want me to be happy? You expect me to do what? Forgive him? For what? He got all the money. You've been sending him honey. You turn your head, act like he hasn't done anything. And you want me to have a party? And you want me to give him the toast? Have you lost your mind, Dad? Well, after the son picks himself up off the floor, because during times of interchange in family, sometimes we lose our composure. It doesn't say that in the scripture, but can you imagine an older son stepping to dad? Dad would literally say, we can take this outside, son. I've talked to Jesus, and you've talked to Jesus, and now we need to talk to one-on-one, man-on-man. I've seen some of the man-on-man movies, man-on-man action. But I grew up in a house where there was more female, so we took the power. But I ha- I've had a family household, a household that I had the love and opportunity to share, that we had sons. I didn't know what it means to have an overextended amount of testosterone in the house. And when they ask each other to step outside, you'd be like, no, no, no. We're still praying in the name of Jesus. We don't need you to step to each other like that. Thank you for sharing. 
Because the bottom line is men do things one way, women do things another way. But God does things through forgiveness that helps all of us. So the bottom line is even if you are the one you think the sin was against, even if you are the one in the family that the act was against, God calls us, all of us, to look at our relationship and say, what is it really all about? So that's the point of where we're going today, to really look at what is forgiveness all about. If we're truthful with ourselves, every single one of us sitting in here has had a sodical moment. There is no person who is without sin. There is no person who is without a time in their life where they were not obedient unto God. And if you look at the relationship in the prodigal son and make the man that was over the father not just be the earthly father, but make him the God of our understanding. Make him the one and true and living God. And when he said to you, you were once lost. But now you've been found. Come home. I got a satin calf waiting for you. I got the royal robe for you. I got the ring for you. I have glory and forgiveness and everlasting grace. I just want you to come home because I made you and I know what I put in you. And I'm thankful that I can see you yet once again with my own eyes. All right. So you see that all of us have a family relationship, a church relationship, some extended relationship where we have to look to God the Father and simply say, what does it take for me to live in my forgiveness? Regardless of whether you've been the older sibling or the younger sibling, whether you were the free spirit or the never-do-anything-wrong spirit, whether you were the extremely creative person in your house, or the very tight and right, everything had to be perfect. Whether you were the extreme, there is some fear and perfection in each of us that has driven us to be some form of prodigal at some season in our life. Why talk about that, God? Why talk about that in the church? Because when the church is going to make a move, we have to recognize where we are in the scheme of forgiving. Maybe you've been one of the old members that have been here forever. And you know everybody personally by name. And your desire is to keep it that way. Your desire is to just keep the family knowing one another. That's not the bad thing. That's not the thing that makes it a prodigal moment. What makes it a prodigal moment is when somebody comes in off of the street. They don't know God. And we simply say, until you get to know God as much as I know God, I really don't know if this is the best place for you to worship God. That doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen in our church. But the reality of it is we have the old versus the new. The saved forever and the ones that just want to get saved. Can you just touch me, Jesus? Just touch me for a moment so that I can know your grace is real. Can you bring me to a place that I would know that you are God and God all by yourself? Maybe it's the good and the not so good. Maybe it's the ones that say, we've always done this particular tradition and we will do it 
for the rest of our lives. I'm not sure how it's blessed in Jesus, but we do it and we're happy. That doesn't happen here, but the reality of it all, we all have a little of that. And those are called our sacred calves. Don't touch that. Hey, no, we're not allowing you to touch that. And you say, well, wait a minute. Is it Jesus or is it just a spot in the church? Oh, no. <laughs> Mr. Freddie, Joe Smith, Bob, that right there, you can't sit there. And you say, is he still sitting there? <laughs> no, but I know he's still there. I don't want to sit on top of him, but that's where I like to sit and worship Jesus. And he said, no, 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 mm -mm. I promised him that we would keep that seat for the rest of our lives. And you say to yourself, you walk to the back and you shake your head and you say, was it me? But that's a prodigal moment. Because at some point we have to say to ourselves, why can't a person come in and enjoy worship next to you? And you say, oh no, mm -mm. I like a space for my possible. I like a space for my Bible. Then I like two or three other spaces. I don't like you to sit that close to me. We all have our powerfulness. We all have our idiosyncrasy. We all have our special things. But when God says, I'm taking the walls down. And I'm asking you to forgive. And I want you to extend your hand of love and grace to anybody I stand for. God is then saying, what happens if it is a prodigal son? What happens if it is a prodigal daughter? What happens if it is a prodigal mama? What happens if it is a prodigal daddy? He said, I want you to say, you were once lost. And you've now been found. Amen. And the testimony of forgiveness that I granted unto you through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I want you to turn around and just reach out yeah. and give it to that person. Oh, yeah. Did you notice when the son who had been in the street, before he was in his daddy's yard, something happened. Turn to your neighbor and say, something happened. What do you think it is? He came to himself. We can't come to ourselves by ourselves. We come to ourselves because Jesus shows himself to us. We can't come to ourselves all on our own. We can complain by ourselves. We can argue with ourselves. We can fuck with ourselves. But we can't come to ourselves. Because the coming is the Holy Spirit. The coming is the grace of God. The coming is what rains down upon us and taps us on our shoulders and says, You know what? You know better. And since you know better, I expect you to do better. And because I expect you to do better, I need you to get up out of the slot and come on home. It doesn't say he had a conversation with himself. It doesn't say that he argued with himself. It doesn't even say, you know what? I must have been crazy. I must have lost my mind. I must have had a out of body experience. <laughs> it doesn't say any of that. It says he came to himself. It ain't coming to himself. He made a decision to come home. 
So in that way, we have to look at it when it's God the Father, God the great God that He is, that when He says, I love you, and I forgive you, and you say how sweet it is, that's when we come to ourselves. I mean, it just gets us. It just gets us excited. It just drives us and say, oh, my, 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 my. Yes. Forgiveness is just as we change you ourselves. That we believe what he said. We believe that we can be made anew. We believe that the joy in our hearts. But we believe also what's in the Corinthians passage that says, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ Jesus is reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against us, against him. Not counting the trespasses. And entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So that we are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? After we wake up. And we say, how sweet it is. And we come home and we say, you know what, Lord? I'm coming home. And I expect that you will make clear to me how you want me to walk. How you want me to talk. How you want me to live. How you make me new. But ever how long it takes, ever how long it looks, I work as a slave in my daddy's house. I will work where you tell me to go. I will do what you call me to do. I will be where you've asked me to be. I will stay where you call me to sit. I will bow down and be a servant. And my daddy don't even have to pay me. Because I've already spent my money. My inheritance has been spent. So it's the willingness to come just as we are to a place that we call home. That we will be able to get what God has for us. The love, the mercy, the grace, the everlasting peace. And the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So that we can walk as ambassadors with a testimony of great faith. When somebody says, my child is on the street corner, acting like a fool. You can walk up, put your arm around them, not out of judgment, not out of anguish, not out of disappointment, but you can say, the God I love ain't a one-time wonder. What he did for me, he'll do for you. Right. You may not know my testimony, but one day, on Sunday, I came to myself in the morning in the mind, and he walked up to me and said, and I simply said, how sweet it is. And he said, now I need you to go home. I need you to go where I started yet. I need to take you to a place. And I said, you don't have to pay me. Anywhere you take me, I'm willing to go because you made me yet anew. So maybe you're the parent and you're trying to forgive the child. Maybe you're the older sibling. And you're trying to forgive your brother. Maybe you are the one who was the prodigal in the book. Maybe you were the one who left everything of great understanding and went out into the street and got out there and realized that you couldn't make it without Jesus. And you said, they won't take me back. Well, I stopped by here this morning. They said, oh, yeah, but we did it. 
because you have been forgiven how sweet it is. We live in forgiveness. How sweet it is. We are forgiven and we are a Protestant community. And we are people who know what it means to be forgiven. Every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us hasn't lived without blemish. Every single one of us has had to check our hearts. But are you ready to be an ambassador? Will you stand with me? And it starts with sisters turning to each other and saying these little words. Let us say them again. You are forgiven. The doors of the church are open.